I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. You're listening to Muses and Stuff. This is the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. This week is very, very special. We've been really, really, really excited. With me, I have my co-host, Lynx, of course. And then we have a wonderful, wonderful person, human, psychic medium named Mickey. I'm going to read you her introduction. Mickey is a fourth-generation psychic medium who has been using her gift more than three decades over the years, she has established a solid reputation and is ranked at the top of her field. She is a, a highly sought-after professional whose client base spans two continents. Mickey's many talents have made her a welcome guest, lecturer, advisor on radio, television, and in numerous newspapers and magazines. You with me? These include City TV, The Life Network, Breakfast Television, CBC, CV, CTV News, Global News, and so many more. She is the only psychic in the history of print to have a nationally syndicated newspaper column. She is gifted, talented, clairvoyant. She has followed in the footsteps of her ancestors, working as a psychic and medium since she was 12. She balances her clairvoyant abilities with the emotional healing experiences. 
Her professionalism and accuracy is tempered with the gentleness, with caring, and with respect. Thank you so much for being here, Mickey. We've been so pumped for doing this for like a month now. Like we've been talking about it. We're just so excited. Well, I'm really excited to be with you guys again. And it's been a long time since I've seen you. And I am very excited about this. I think we're going to have a lot of fun here tonight together. For sure. So we first met about four and a half years ago, I think, at uh, Miss P's writing class. Yeah, I think it was that, about four and a half years now. I think it was back in 2012-ish kind of thing. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's been a while. Yeah. I'm watching you guys grow up before my eyes. It's like you went from being babies to 35 (laughs) or something. All right, well... I remember, I think it was the first writing class, it might have been the second, you wrote this incredibly beautiful poem about growing up in the carnival world and about your mother and your grandmother, and I was just wondering if you would share what that experience was like with our listeners. Um, It was wonderful, actually. I mean, I grew up working for Conklin shows and on all kinds of psychic fairs and renaissance fairs and stuff like that. I had originally started out working with my mother and my grandmother when I was quite young. And then it was just my mother and myself after my grandmother passed and uh, then on to just being me when my mother passed about 10 years ago now. Um, Carnival business, no better place to grow up. People have this weird kind of um, illusion that, you know, it's a very dark and creepy place and we harbor criminals and we hide murderers and stuff. But really, it's not. I mean, it's a very family-oriented thing. It's like... Um, I still have friends from when I was 13 years old that have been loyal to me and never betrayed me. And, you know, because it's circus and carnival people consider each other family, especially when you travel together Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Right. So my home was a midway for a long time. And, you know, it's kind of neat when you're going home at night to go to sleep. You get to walk by all like the popcorn wagons and get the leftovers and the leftover corn dogs (laughs) of the day. Such a unique experience. Yeah, totally unique. And uh, actually, my niece, Cricket, who is the love of my life and is a very, (laughs) very intuitive girl who actually doesn't work as a reader, but... um, she, when she was a baby, we used to put her to sleep beside the Polar Express. She was born on the road after the Dade County Fair in Florida and Hollywood, Florida. So she's a roadshow baby from birth. That's so crazy. I love that. It's great. Yeah. Your poem, like, it really, it put me there. And it, it did feel really magical. And I imagine, like, growing up, especially, like, through a child's eyes, it must have had such a like a sparkle to it and that's so great like everyone's family it's it's a lot like musicians touring on the road everyone backstage becomes a family yeah it's true very very true and actually that poem that I read for you guys that night Mm -hmm. with Pamela um actually was in my column when at the opening of the Canadian National Exhibition Back in, oh, I wrote that a long time ago. Back in early 2000s, about 2004 or something, it appeared on opening day because I had a tent on the midway, of course, where Mm -hmm. I was doing readings and I was, you know, writing for 24 hours newspapers across Canada, syndicated with them in every city of Canada. And so I wrote that poem, especially for the column that day and told everybody, hey, you know, the, the daily affirmation was life is a midway, get on the ride or something like that, that day. And, uh, 
you know, and underneath there was this big splash that said, you know, come see Mickey at the act. She's going to be there for the next 20 days kind of thing. It's funny because I was thinking about the episode that we're on. And I was also thinking about the last time that we saw each other, which which was around this time last year, because I was going through a really particularly tough time. I just gotten back from traveling. I had been in Nepal and then I went to Ireland and um, I hadn't gone back to work yet. And my dad got really sick. And I went to you because I was like, I don't know what to do. And I don't know who to talk to. And I went to you. I was like, Mickey, I've got to go see her. And I remember leaving there. I have no idea what you told me. But I remember that I left there. I left there and I was just like, this, I'm going to be okay. This is going to be okay. And then I proceeded to have one of the best years of my life. Mm-hmm. And we're on episode 27. And I was like, oh, 27. I love that number. Mm-hmm. I love seven. Seven and two, nine. And I remember asking you a lot about the number nine last time we were together, too. Yeah. That came up a lot. Yeah. But I remember part of what I told you. I mean, I don't always remember everything when it because I read so many people. Yeah. You know, you sort of have, I, I, I say that I have to have erase your brain because mm-hmm. I have to clear my head, especially when I'm doing like an event. Yeah, I bet. You know, I have to like say, okay, links, this is this, da 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 da. And then I have to clear my head of what I said to her. So when the next person sits down, I'm not spilling your stuff into the next guy. But I remember I told you that, you know, taking the trip was probably one of the best things you ever did. That was a great idea. But coming back, you came back to chaos. And I told you, give it four or five months, it'll all settle down, and then you'll see all kinds of doors and windows will start opening for you, and you'll yes. be happy. And then it did. It, that was exact, the exact timing. Amazing. Yeah. So, But the trip itself was great for you. It was greatly spiritual. Was, you didn't want to leave, kind of. You didn't really want to come back. And you came back, and everything just crashed. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I remember that part of it very clearly telling you, give it, a, you know, five, six months and the storm is done. So aren't you glad it's done? <laughs> I'm so glad it's done and that we're here and it's storming outside, but <laughs> not the, in here. Yeah. Not in here. So you come from a family of people who have this gift. Mm-hmm. When you were born, was it like, is it genetic? Was it always there? Did it take a while? Is it a muscle that you work? Yeah. Um, it is genetic. It's something different in the the map of your brain. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the cool things, when Rob Cribbs and I did the article for the Toronto Star called Fortune Sellers about fortune telling fraud and stuff, um, one of the people he interviewed was a guy who's like a, a brain surgeon at SickKids Hospital, and he's like a big-time neurologist that investigates rare brain problems and stuff. And he had done some research on people like myself because his mother had been a reader. And notice that there's different channels and different firings in our brain mm. than other people. That's interesting. Kind of weird. And we have an extra open pathway here between our wrists, you know, where the blood flow is. What? But yeah. That I like, did not know. Because I didn't know that till I broke my wrist. And the, the, the surgeon said, you've got a, a wider opening here than most it people. And it's like extra blood flow goes to the brain or something. So there's all these little things. But this guy's continuing to do research. I wish I could remember his name now, but he was part of the article if you ever want to look it up. It was on March 19th of last year. Um, Yeah, it was a great article. And it was called Fortune Sellers. And he was, we did two days. One was the whole Saturday star, the whole Sunday star. And we did W5 as well. We were on W5. And he was on the second day of it. So there's something definitely different in our brain. Mm. 
Can I teach people to grow their intuition? Yeah, I can do that. I used to teach tarot years ago at different new age stores and learning addicts and things like that. And, but I ran a course that was two years. Mm. So you came like for six months for phase one, six months for phase two. It was kind of like going to school full time. Oh, I bet. Yeah. But at least what I put out of there were really good tarot readers (laughs) that were good enough to make predictions that were solid without, you know, being a psychic. So there's definitely something different in the map. That's interesting. Yeah. So you have a brother. Mm -hmm. Does he also have the gift? Not in the same capacity, um, but... um, Is it mostly the women in the family that seem to... Yeah, it seems to be more predominant in the female, although there were some people on my my grandmother's side that were male that were readers too. So it seems to be more of a female gene. But it's funny, you should ask about my brother, because my brother works in the movie business for Panavision. He's been there forever. And he actually sent me two girls from who worked in wardrobe there not too long ago to have a reading because they were reading the paper and they said, we're thinking, go and see this girl, Mickey. And he's like, that's my sister. (laughs) What a coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. And he sent them to me and they said, oh, your brother sent us blah, blah. And he, we asked him, well, can you read us? That day we were showing him the paper. And he said, no, I, I don't have the same intuition as her but yeah you really need to go see her i can't do your reading you know so it's funny does it like do you lose touch with it if you don't exercise it daily no No, sometimes you wish you could i bet like yeah you probably just like stop it (laughs) but i remember one thing that i love about you is just your brutal honesty you're just real as fuck and um I remember one time too we were talking and you told me you're like you're very intuitive you're you're very in tune but you're like honey you're never gonna be like me though and I was like damn right (laughs) because you are the best you are like the best at what you do and it's just like I don't know I just feel I feel honored to have you here thank you I'm pumped thank you I appreciate that um, I do feel like my family does like display some of those kinds of traits. We do like sync up a lot of things. We think a lot of the things at the same times. We dream a lot of things. My mom predicts things about my younger brother often. And my younger cousin, or not my younger cousin, my older cousin, she reminds me a lot. Even the way she talks is very similar to like the style that you do. And I find that even, I don't know, like you're pointing at your hands with like, is there a connection between like magic women and hands and like rings and things like that? I'm not really sure about that, but you know, it's like everybody is born with intuition. Yeah. And this is one of the things that when I do like psychic workshops with people, I used to do a lot more workshops before I got super busy, like writing books and writing columns and doing TV more and more often. Um, and there's a thing with people like, especially growing up in North America, like, you have a two-year-old kid who's coming and say, I saw a ghost, and it was grandma. And what's the first thing your mother says? Oh, it was a shadow. You were dreaming. Yeah. Well, if a kid that's two comes and tells you they saw a ghost, and it's grandma, and they can describe her, be sure as hell that they did, because they're running on raw intuition. Yeah. They haven't learned yet to block stuff out. So at that age, everybody from like zero to age two, two and a half is running strictly on instinct. Oh, I feel hungry. Oh, I hurt. Oh, something scared me. And I don't know how to verbalize why, but it scared me. That should Mm -hmm. be good enough. Okay. So what we do is we deprogram people 
as they're going to school and as they're growing up, oh, don't be so silly. You saw a shadow. Oh, don't, that di didn't happen. Oh, there's no such thing as ghosts. Oh, that thing fell off the chair because, you know, there's somebody walking on the floor upstairs. Yeah. So we, we, we tell people not to trust their intuition. Like, for example, you know, you're 16, everybody's drinking and everybody's getting in a car and they're like, come on, come on, get in the car. Come on, drive with us. And your gut is saying, I don't want to get in that car. I feel like something bad's going to happen. And then your best friend goes, oh, come on, Lynx. Don't be a drag. Get in. And you go, yeah, I'm just being stupid. And they're not that drunk. And then everybody dies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if you don't get in the car, everybody else dies. And you go, shit, am I glad I ever listened to my intuition. But how many times have you said something to a parent growing up or a significant person of trust or authority in your life and they've said, oh, don't be foolish. Don't, you, you're just letting your head run away with things. You're being too imaginative. Yeah. You're overreacting. They just shut it down. And in here, your gut is screaming, no, 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 mm -hmm. no, don't do that. Yeah. But they're telling you, oh, come on, don't be so stupid and so irrational. Use your head. Use your head. Use your head. If I hear somebody, you know, nobody ever said to any kids in my house or anybody in my family ever said to me growing up, use your head. Mm. If I came to my grandmother and said I saw a ghost, she'd say, what did it look like? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we teach people to move away from their intuitive center. And even families that do have, and everybody's got that intuition and everybody can grow it up, but you can't grow it up to here. This is born. Yeah. This is yeah. grand scale clairvoyant stuff, right? Yes. This is basically a birth defect. So I'm kind of a freak of nature. <laughs> Seriously. A beautiful freak of nature. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, there's a great quote from Perry Farrell, and he said, if you're not one of the freaks, you're one of the boring people. So. Yeah. <laughs> you're definitely not one of the true. boring people. Yeah. And you're my little freaks, and that's why I love you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you, you know, the this is what I mean. You get taught not to trust your intuition mm -hmm. in society. I jumped out of an Uber two weeks ago because... You just felt it. I felt it. Yeah. You like always got to listen. You got to listen. Yeah. I had um, a little boy to me say to me once, is your, is your dad sick? Wow. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of other little, I don't know, like uh, little boys especially like read my mind and I go, okay, we're going to try it again tomorrow. We're going to see. So yeah, I would never, I would never um, turn that Part off or down yeah, anyone, but you see, like... since the turning of the millennium, people who are growing up more at your age now are more spiritually, and it's okay to be spiritually in tune. It's okay to meditate. It's okay to do yoga. It's okay to know that there's a spirit world. But when John and Yoko were doing it in 1970, everybody wanted to lock them up. Yeah. And they never thought to look at this woman came from an Asian culture that believes and intuition believes in meditation have been doing this stuff you know oriental medicine for thousands of years and she came and you know was doing that with her western husband who was a very famous musician yeah. and they said oh she's like the devil she's crazy but now we're all doing the same stuff that yoko was rocking way back when as far as i'm concerned she's a genius always has been love her us too love that woman you know and 
but they couldn't relate to it. So it was really bad. If you were like me, I remember my mother saying to me, don't tell people in school that you'll hear voices. Don't tell people in school that you see ghosts. Don't predict anything for anybody at school or they'll have the children's aid here and they'll be taking you away. Child welfare will be at the door. Yeah, you're taught to, uh, like, close your mind instead of keep it open and keep searching for more. Yeah, it was a very repressive time. And since the dawning of the millennium, the late 90s, the turn of 2000, like, it was all about, yeah, let's, you know, do all this stuff. Let's look at herbal medicine. Let's look at homeopathy. Let's look at Chinese traditional medicine and acupuncture, Mm -hmm. which, you know, was all insane up to a point, right? Let's open our minds to there's something else out there that's more than us, bigger than us, that's made all this. How the hell did this all get here? Why do leaves grow out of the end of branches? Why you know? do you think what what happened with the generations to make this one more open? Do you think it's just the state of the world and how uh, things are kind of going to shit and we're all kind of scrambling for something to help us? No, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's just that things progress so much faster and science progressed so much faster. And then scientific communities started saying, you know, this is okay. Yeah. And, you know, health communities were more open to, and the world itself was more open to other people of other cultures, like people who meditated, who were mostly from the Asias, like, you know, all that East Asia and Asia Mm -hmm. itself, and kind of went, well, maybe there's something to this that's good for people. Yeah. And people were just becoming more scientific, more educated, you know, things were moving so fast, you know, computers were popping up everywhere, people were reading stuff from other sides of the world, and going, well, that doesn't sound so easy evil mm. so society became more, more accepting yeah. at you and more information and more acceptance right yeah of different things and changing times well that's good hopefully it just grows even more and we always make sure that our kids are open mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and never discourage their intuition like even if they have this much because it will save them from getting hurt, just like you jumping out of your Uber. Yeah, and never doubt someone else's. Because even if you don't feel it, that person is. And, you know. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Definitely. Ooh, that was magical. <laughs> it is. It's my magical trust our time. Sorry. It's <laughs> good timing for that. Yes. So one of the questions I always wondered, when you read people... Um, do you ever see anything bad or like, how do you know what to, to tell people and if anything, like what to hold back? I know you usually don't really hold back. You're very to the point, honest. I I wonder, is there, yeah. (laughs) Do you ever have those moments where you wonder, like, should I, should I tell this person this or should I let them sort of discover it on their own or how do you deal with that? I've had that only have like hap- I've had that happen to me a lot, but I always tell people and one of the rules I live by is that I only read people who are of legal age to buy liquor. Mm-hmm. Basically. Like that says you're grown up. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. legally an adult. And and I've seen people read children. I've never even you thought know? of that. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it happen at different psychic fairs and midways over the years, you know. And 
I hate that because I fig I feel like kids can get scared and misunderstand what you're saying, even if it's good, mm-hmm. and process it the wrong way, and they can get terrified by sitting with a psychic if they're too young. Yeah. To understand what's really going on and understand the process, right? So I don't read anybody who's not of legal age to be an adult. So that's a strict rule of mine, right? Don't bring a kid to my table, you know, unless they're waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And they're in a stroller sleeping. That's fine. You can bring as many children as you want. You can put your baby in the basket on the floor. But don't put the baby on the table and say, talk to it, Mickey. Because yeah. it's not going to happen. Or the 8-year-old or the 10-year-old especially, you know, that can understand what's going on. Yeah. But there, one occurrence I can think of that would really answer that for you. I had a woman that I was reading years and years ago in Buffalo, New York. And she asked me about her child who had just defeated leukemia. And her daughter was like 13 years old. And she basically said, hey, you know, my I got good news. Can you see her continuing to stay well? And it's like here I'm listening to this and as she's asking me this question I I can see a hot spot in this child's head oh man where there's like a tumor developing that's related to leukemia like going towards the brain that wasn't found or didn't shrink with the the treatment Mm -hmm. and I thought how do I say this to this woman who's celebrating this moment of glory about her you know child And I just kind of stopped breathing for a second. And I kind of, the only way I really got it out is I just said, you know, has your daughter ever had a head injury? Mm -hmm. And she said, no. And I knew that she didn't. Mm -hmm. And I said, I would take her for a head x-ray if I were you. I feel like, you know, she bumped her Just get that checked out. Get that checked out. Uh, And she said, okay, I will. Good. And then I remember getting up from the table and walking to the bathroom and I had like, you know, three, four other people waiting for me at the time. And my mother was actually working beside me at this show in Buffalo. And I just walked in the bathroom and closed the door and started crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I thought, how, how do you say this to somebody who thinks their, their child is going to be better. all right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine it can be rough. Uh seeing things like that and yeah it's not nice no. i have a lot of horrors locked in my head yeah that just pop up like i could be like just hanging with you guys eating dinner i'm not saying it's gonna happen <laughs> if we eat dinner so if, um if it does happen <laughs> i'm here for you but do you know what i mean it's like sometime with something will just pop up that's really bad yeah. that i've pushed into the back of my head mm-hmm. and it'll just go kabing and it's like Get that flash of it. And... It's that moment that makes you want to cut your head off mm. and wish you aren't who you are. Yeah. Did you ever have anybody that you could talk to about that? Because, you know, if I have a problem, I know that I can go to you. Like, who, who can Well, yeah, you... no, like I have, like, my best friend, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Queen of everything, <laughs> Cynthia. And I have a couple of other really good friends and family members and stuff like and that. And I guess growing and, up, like your mother and your grandmother. Yeah, I had my mother. My mother and my grandmother were two of the greatest women in the world. I always say I could never lick their boots. My mother used to say, you're as good as your grandmother, you know. And I'd say, don't even say that. I could never, you know, even lick the bottom of her shoes. We used to call her the ghost lady because she could see ghosts everywhere all day long. And... um 
but I, I do have, you know, my good people. And if, like, something was really freaking me out right now and it just popped in my head, I'd say, let's stop the interview for five minutes. Yeah. But it's something you can't control. Yeah. So I call it the trunk of horrors. And every now and again, something just comes out. And it doesn't come out, like, all the time. It could be maybe twice a year or three times a year. But what comes out is such a bad memory of something so bad that happened or that I foresaw or whatever that it's, like, it just makes you want to. It's like your head physical, off. yeah. It just affects your. Whole yeah, life. it makes you feel like instantaneously. Imagine going from being perfectly happy and laughing or something to feeling like you're suicidally depressed. It just hits you that hard. Man, that's rough. And it's like, ugh, why did that come out? Mm-hmm. You know. It's a blessing to have the gift and a curse at times curse as well. Curse and sure. a blessing. But that's, I think, like the in when you're in a kind of profession or even that's just your life path or it's your dharma that you are healing other people, mm-hmm. it, I think, can and does take a toll on you in many ways as well. Yeah, it does. Sometimes it really does. Um, you mentioned tarot. And I've seen you with the crystal ball. I mm-hmm. wanted to ask that. Yeah, I, that wasn't a that was a question that I added in kind of the last minute. Is I don't know what a quit. I don't. I've never had a crystal ball reading. Is there? I've a never difference? seen one. What yeah, is definitely it? Definitely, there's a difference. Crystal ball is a psychic tool. So you put your hand on one side. I put the other hand, my hand on the other side, and it just transmits lots of information. So that's something a psychic only would use. Keep in mind, let's get the difference between psychic and tarot card reader, mm-hmm. which we see in a lot of the sidewalk stores. It says psychic, and they're, they're not... They're all over this neighborhood. Yeah, they're not really. <laughs> and they're just kind of half-assed tarot card readers. But there are some really great tarot card readers that I've worked with over the years who can do great predictions. Don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing that under the bus by no means. I mean, my grandmother was a great tarot person too. And I mean, I love the cards. I love playing with them. Mm-hmm. But the, it's a psychic tool, the ball. And it used to be the way that real psychics read you. Up until about the 80s, that's the only way I read anybody was with the ball or straight across the table, Ella Sylvia Brown, right? Mm-hmm. And then it just lost popularity. It's like a dying art. And the 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 last time I had it, I did an episode of eTalk about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I was reading one of their hosts and I brought the ball. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I know a producer on Marilyn Dennis, right, who I had worked with before on a reality series. And we got together for coffee after I finished a segment of eTalk and I had the ball in a bag on the table in the lunchroom at CTV (laughs) and she's like can you take the ball out of the bag and give me a reading I'm like yeah I can do that for you Heidi (laughs) and so I did I was here I was reading her crystal ball in the middle of the lunchroom at CTV and everybody's walking by like what the hell are those guys doing right because it's really big mine mine's like bigger than a 10 pin bowling ball so the ball seems so much more magical than it is it's totally if I had my way I'd never read anybody with anything except straight across the table next time my next reading that's what it's gonna be that's yeah. Oh, all wait. about the crystal ball. Please don't make me carry it anywhere. It <laughs> no, I'll come to you. When I was taking it to CTV the other day, I, I asked one of the young girls who came to me in the parking lot, I said, can you carry this? Because, like, I'm getting too old for it. It's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> she said, give it to me. And I hand it to her. She said, this is heavier than one of my children. <laughs> oh, man. So. 
Yeah, it's there's a difference. So and cards, you're working with symbolism, and people can be taught to read cards. I don't know that you can teach somebody to read a crystal ball. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like it would definitely be something that you have to be born with. Yeah. You know, you could teach people to do cool meditations with it. I used to do that in a workshop years ago, right? And you could teach people to do cool visualizations with it, but to actually read it. But it's kind of like falling off to the wayside. Everybody wants cards. It's so strange. And the ball sits like right beside me. Like, mm-hmm. not even that far away, like maybe an arm's length away from me in my reading room. And they just want the cards. He just sits I don't think there. I, no- I don't think I noticed it. He's just sitting there on I the table it. beside my big wing. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm coming. I yeah. remember seeing it and being mesmerized. That's my boy Merlin. I call him Merlin. Cool. So. Yeah. A fitting name. I got that when I was 18. Wow. And I paid a lot of money for it back then. It was very expensive because it's Austrian crystal. I think I paid like eight nine hundred dollars for that ball back then. I can't even imagine how many people have been read on, through that. Oh yeah, but I mean, when I say when you want a crystal ball, they're like, no, give me the cards. I want to see the cards because <laughs> the cards are colorful and interactive, right? I guess so. maybe it feels more real to some people to like see. Yeah, because they engage the client too, yeah. right? So when you read people, you get uh, like visions or you, I remember you telling me that you heard a voice tell you something. It, does it, it, it changes. It moves around a lot. Yeah. With me because I, I, I'll put cards on the table for people because that's what they want. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I won't put any and I'll just leave them and I'll say, I want to double check something at the end and I'll flip their cards at the end of the reading. Um, But I, hear the spirit world that's what i listen to mostly is the spirit world talking and then i'll get something that'll pop in my head like a little vision of like say i said to you you know i saw you getting a black car in the next couple of days don't get in that black car because mm-hmm. you're gonna get hurt in that car mm. right yeah right. mostly voices pictures you know sometimes smells of things mm. creepy smells Weird smells. Weird smells. Yes. Cool. So, sometime we... apparitions, huh? Uh, <laughs> Let's not forget those guys. What's an apparition? That's like when you can actually ghost? see the ghost. Oh, um, that's happened to me a few times. Mostly when I was living in Peterborough. I don't think I've ever seen a ghost, but I felt something push me from behind once, and I almost fell down the stairs. Yeah, it's it's not um, common for people who are unlike myself, to actually see an apparition. It's rare. It mm-hmm. actually is rare. And even we don't see them all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we and hear it only talking. happened those couple of times, and I never forgot it. But the push thing, yeah, that's for real. I've yeah. had that done to me in a house in Rosedale that I was checking out for somebody years ago. I went flying right down their basement stairs. It was like somebody kicked me right in the middle of my back. <gasps> they yeah. pushed so hard. I went boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that's what this right now in the moves like with steps. me too. And I wish, like, I always try to talk myself out of that, that that can't happen. Yeah. Um, not to scare people listening, but I remember working at the spill in Peterborough and um, a, a coffee, like an empty thing of coffee came flying from the back. And I told the owner and he was like, yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, there's stuff that just happens that, you know, is spirit activity, but... You know, you have to, sometimes people go too far with it 
and they think, oh, my pen moved this much. Oh, well, that was a ghost. No, it wasn't. And sometimes people do get freaked out, like you're saying, and they think if they hear a creak in their 100-year-old house, it's something walking. Mm -hmm. It's not always, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I've been called in to do hauntings and gone in the house and said, there's nothing in here. Yeah. Nothing's going on in here. It's an old house. If you can't handle it, you need to move out. (laughs) Right? Right. Or get used to the fact that you're going to hear air in your radiators and stuff like that, right? But they're very different. And what you're describing, Lynx, is definitely something shoving you. Definitely. Yeah. I can guarantee you that. Well, I don't live there anymore, so. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <sighs> so can I ask a question about music? I was mm-hmm. just going to say, let's get to some let's rock and roll. Let's get to some rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. Let's get to rock and roll. <laughs> um, so did you grow up... Uh, like in a musical household was that around you often who what what were your early influences my mother was a very musical musical person she loved music she played music she sang in the house uh you know when we were kids and she was a great dancer so she was the only musical thing in the whole house really and she taught us to like music she'd always have the radio on and she'd say you know that's the Beatles and that's this and that's that and you know having the British history you know because my grandmother is born in London England and mm. that's my mother's whole dynasty is England and Ireland right that's so where's the too. gypsy the British <laughs> oh. gypsies okay British gypsy yeah and yeah British gypsies okay cool they don't only come over Romania. That's a myth. <laughs> There's Scottish gypsies, Irish gypsies, you know, Romanian gypsies, Hungarian gypsies. There's gypsies Just from everywhere. European gypsies yeah. in general. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but my grandmother, you know, was, uh, she liked music too. My grandmother always had the radio on, but my mother was definitely the most musical person in the house. Definitely. So she got our our interest rolling in those ways, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I was growing up in the 60s. Oops, did I say that? <laughs> I'm dating myself now. I'm only 35. Don't worry. Everyone's just really jealous that you got to live through the 60s. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I... Okay, I was on an Instagram account today of somebody who um, is crazy obsessed with... Um, 60s. With 60s. Yeah. or mm-hmm. But more specifically obsessed with... Uh, Jimmy Page. And oh, I saw that. They didn't. I send it. I screen capped it and sent it to you. They were just talking about how they were literally sick because they were just so sad that they did not live in that time. Yeah, I mean, I. I'm just pausing. Okay. So this girl was literally making herself sick over the fact that she did not experience like life in the 60s or like a relationship with Jimmy Page or things like people are there are some people who are just genuinely devastated that they did not grow up in this time I'm definitely one of those people especially in my teenage years like it did feel awful I felt like I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and I definitely spent like all my time researching like these women and these musicians and that's like where my obsession came from was just feeling so out of place in in my in my time. Well, we definitely had a lot less pressure than you guys growing up in your decade because everything was so, you know, love and peace and I'm not saying we all didn't struggle in our own crazy adolescent psychosis because I think everybody does no matter what decade you grew up in. But it was you know, 
more towards you know love and solving the problems of the world and making war go away and all the bad things like it was a very peaceful kind of generation and if you ever had a chance to watch the movie Woodstock oh and, absolutely yeah and I've seen a million times yeah and uh. really understand that you know all these people were together there were so many of them and you know okay people did too many drugs people got too drunk you know that's life, you know. It was like you guys were allowed to to grow at your own pace and discover things and each other. And you, it's it seems like there was like a support felt throughout your whole generation. Yeah, but you see, the theme was love, mm-hmm. love everything, love nature, love animals, don't hurt anybody, make guns go away, make war go away. Because of course, the Vietnam War was raging like crazy then and people that were your friends who were 19 years old were getting sent off to war and getting their you know their brains blown out and never coming home except in a box this big you know Mm -hmm. and uh i mean it it was so everything was themed towards love and that's why with woodstock you know it was such a peaceful event i mean okay drug overdoses and stuff you gotta kind of put that in the back but everybody was being nice to everybody nobody was pushing nobody was fighting nobody was punching anybody out and when you guys are like being teenagers of the 80s and stuff like that everything was about being like you know selfish and Mm -hmm. a thug and Mm. you know being harsh and cold and indifferent is the was the theme of that decade like all about me you know forget everybody and when i was growing up in that decade late like 60s through to early 70s and like pamela experienced more of the 60s than me mm-hmm. you know being that she's one of my closest friends but um also she's a couple years older than me and you know it the theme went on that way right into a, we almost hit the 80s and then it just changed into this you know selfish Absolutely. business yeah. money's where it's at you know and those were like be slick be polished be walking around in a men's suit you know and exactly. tell people get away from me get out of my space so now i feel like there's a little bit of both happening right now right mm-hmm. because of like the political climate climate and people are are very much like okay love each other like father john misty's new song is at the end like hate to tell you this but we're all each other has something like that yeah i've only like not sure that's exactly what it says something like that but love each other love nature um love animals these kinds of things no guns no war like these things are coming back again but we also just don't have the innocence of that time either because everybody's watching everybody's on social media so i think that's what i was trying to say too when i was saying like rock and roll doesn't have as much of a sense of humor anymore because mm-hmm. people are so afraid of if they people misstep out of the line spotlight. they're always under the spotlight yeah. no matter how big their fan base well, is somebody's or not. always looking so, for the bad thing and somebody's yeah. always looking for the right? bad thing somebody's looking for the bad things so they can do like gossip splashes and say well oh yeah you know john bon jovi's daughter overdosed on drugs and it was like he was really smart in the way he handled that he said we're a family kids do stupid things and he shut it right down but they tried to keep that raging like oh look here's like the perfect family man married to the same woman right out of high school got all these great kids and uh uh-oh he doesn't have a great kid he's got a kid that's a junkie and they really took it out of proportion you know there's just something so like evil and like underneath that it's like people don't want others to succeed and yeah they want everybody's dirty laundry right 
Um, just for the record, you know? that is Mickey's ringtone. That is amazing. <laughs> Hello, Slash and Band. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's like really, really, everybody's, they, you, it, we lived in a simpler time. So when it was like, you didn't have to have, you know, be out shopping every week. Like people are now like young girls. I watch them and their life is going shopping every weekend. Yeah. Go to the mall. Yeah. Go to the mall. And you know, we went to the mall too, but we went to the mall when our jeans were worn out and we needed a new shirt and we were more interested in experiencing life. Uh, you know, things have sort of shifted to people are more interested in experiencing material and he who dies with the most toys wins, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and I think people are realizing that's kind of making the world self-destruct and trying to move back towards making things simpler. Like that's where your mindset is at. You and hopefully guys educating and, our children to yeah. the mindful and the meditation and the love and yeah. the intuition and all that kind of stuff. If Loving you don't nature. Have that, you yep. know, everything just implodes, right? Absolutely. You can't live fighting and anger and you, things just implode because mm-hmm. there's always going to be wars and stuff and all you can do is do damage control and teach people like that is not the right way to run. Mm-hmm. I mean, n- there's never been a successful war in the history of humanity but those are things that are driven by different forces but it doesn't mean that you have to live that way exactly that's good yeah so getting back to the rock and roll part Mm -hmm. you're the rock and roll psychic that's exactly (laughs) what i wanted to ask we are right on with this how did you how did you become how did you come to be known as the rock and roll medium um, well, it was kind of by accident, actually. Um, way back in the the 80s, I was lucky enough to get on Q107 with some DJs that really liked me. And I was really good at like predicting bands and stuff like that. And then I ended up, as a result of that, of course, getting to go to lots of concerts. And then I met a girl who really kind of changed my life in a way. Um, her name was Debbie Lightheart. She owned a concert security company, which still exists, but she sold it and retired off to the you know to Jamaica, and um, uh, basically her company is still running today, doing security at a lot of big auditoriums and, and concert security, of course. And she kind of said to me, "I'm doing this great festival, like a mini Woodstock, called Blue Rodeo Stardex Picnic. I think you should come do it and do readings there." And I did, and I met people, and it just sort of became this big snowball. You know, met this musician, met that musician, read the musicians, read all their wives. One thing leads to another, and it just keeps going up and rolling and rolling and rolling. And then I would have all kinds of other radio stations over the years call me in and say, hey, you know, it's Battle of the Bands. Which one are you picking as the album that's going to hit and stuff like that? And then, you know, being working in the States a lot, and then you're you're meeting all these people who are introducing you to other people, and it just kind of spins over a period of years, right? Yeah. And goes from there. So it was totally unexpected. It was totally a bonus, you know, and uh, I mean, people will often say to me, but is that all your life's about? And I say, no. You know, it definitely isn't. I've been lucky enough to meet some very cool people. I've been lucky enough to work for some very cool people. Do I kiss and tell about who I read and what they tell me? No. Exactly. (laughs) Because they're never going to call me again if I do. And my business is all about confidentiality, whether you're the housewife next door or, you know, you're the front person for one of the biggest rock bands in history. It's all about keeping people's business private. And that's how I've managed to remain 
you know, seen clients from that industry and celebrity clients from other places like television shows and stuff like that. But it was just a fluke. It was just one of those being in the right place at the right time kind of thing. Is there a musician that you haven't read that you would love to? Mm. That's a good question. Um, really? That's hard because I could probably think of 10, you know, different people mm-hmm. that I would love to read. Um, so it's a really hard call just to pick one. <laughs> Well, you could uh, be more than one. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely... Tom Petty, because he's so mysterious. Oh, Tom Petty, the Mad Hatter, my twin. I feel like you Bowie would have What do you mean amazing. your twin? Well, I mean, he's the guy that rocks the tailcoat and the top hat, and that's been <gasps> my uniform since the 70s. It's true. And he's got that funny Alice in Wonderland. That's why I'm so attracted to you, Mickey. <laughs> yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, when we did a trailer for my reality show, at the end of it, at the closing of the trailer... Because uh, I'm working on a couple of new TV shows. And uh, the the last comment I made in the, the trailer was, when I've read so many people over the years, I've read thousands of people, you know, at, in, between the time I started and now, at the age I'm at now, old enough to be Steve Tyler or Tom Petty's girl. <laughs> That's the closing line in the trailer. So, hello, guys. Call me anytime. <laughs> and call us too but you know no, a, I'll t- I'll a person who I really found <laughs> very to be really mystical in and not in like oh I, I love you and want to throw myself at your feet who I would have loved to read would have been Eric Clapton <gasps> it's his yeah. birthday today is it really it is his birthday today he would have been like way up in the top five because there's a lot of stuff that's happened around Eric Clapton in his sure. life and his vibe is very different from a lot of people. So isn't it funny that I'm saying that on his birthday? It's so fitting. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... There's serendipity. A lot of, there's a lot of things yeah. in, the, in the air. I have a tonight. lot of serendipity with people, like weird stuff. I like, get that too. I don't get like um, like what Shanti was saying where she and her family experience psychic or EPK, I know you guys get that, but My I definitely, especially. I definitely get the the coincidences or the serendipitous moments. That's. I get tons of them, and with my with my friend who was just calling me, I have a list that I can roll down the block. It's just bizarre. Yeah, I actually started keeping track of some of it. It's crazy, but I mean, it it's like. Eric Clapton, there's something very unique and otherworldly and past lifey about Eric Clapton. So, Oh, that was one thing that I wanted to ask, just like touching a little bit on past lives because I've never had a past life reading. So that was something that I had mentioned to you. I said, Mickey, I'm going to come over. You do past life readings, right? Yeah. And you were mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, oh, for sure. That. So I don't know. I, I guess my question is just like... What's that about? What How the hell? That- what are your thoughts on the past life? Well, that you know, the spirit does go to the spirit world and come back. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you can see it in things. And, you know, where do people come up with, like, stuff like... One of the, my greatest past life, past life recalls myself as a child. I remember, and I can see this as I'm talking about, sitting in the kitchen with my grandmother. My grandmother had to make tea from scratch, right? And it always had to be in a china cup. Totally 100% British protocol with tea. 
you know, you have to boil the water and then you have to put the tea in and there's only so many minutes the bag can stay yeah. in there and you have to stir it's it. It's a science. <laughs> yeah. And the tea goes in a pot. There's none of this crap of, you know, you put the bag in the cup. That doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. So my mother and my grandmother were like British tea protocol experts. I am too, but I don't get to do it very often, you know, and you have to watch how much milk you put in and, you know, the sugar the goes order, in before it all the, goes yeah. in, yeah. And my grandmother would stir and stir the tea leaves and clink, clink, clink. And then she'd drink her tea and she'd turn them over on a napkin and say, let's read the tea leaves. <gasps> cool. And I remember sitting there with her one time and I said, you know, and I was just a little kid. I couldn't have been more than five or six. And I had the greatest paranormal experiences with my grandmother. And I said, um, Grandma, I see this castle, and it's in England, and I'm dressed like a princess. Hmm. Why is it here in the living room? And she said, it's probably because you lived there before. Mm. Wow. And I went, okay, because I was like five. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I can see that teacup with the lilac colored flowers on it and her stirring. And um, I always say that she was the greatest of all of us. And when she died, I felt like my life was over and a part of me died with her that I would never get back. Mm. It was like half of my soul left with her. So, you know that's a past life recall and then you see these things happening you know in people like they recall stuff and they've been somewhere and they can tell you what it, exactly what it looks like and they've never been there in their life so yeah. there's all these things that happen and people bring forward lessons from past lives and you know everybody gets karmic lessons to learn in their current lifetime till they become like whole and ascend to a different level of being a really old and ancient soul right mm -hmm. right so like it's living pretty, your dharma, becoming enlightened, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, and but when you get, one of the biggest misunderstandings is people say, like, say you get a really hot boyfriend and you're really stuck on this guy and he's your Steve Tyler. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you go to the wrong person, they're going to say that person's your soulmate. Mm -hmm. Now, you can have past life connections with guys or girls or friends or sisters, but it doesn't mean it's always good. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things I get people coming to see me that they're struggling with is, oh, but I was told this guy's my soulmate. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there's like somebody who definitely, like I'm definitely somebody who has stayed very good friends with exes mm -hmm. on really nice terms with people, just really lovely. But there is somebody who I've just never quite figured out. And I'm like, what is that lesson? Was this someone else from a past life? Like, what are they? Nobody's ever told me that they were my soulmate. I never thought that. I'm... Yeah, but they can be from a past life and they can be like a karmic challenge for you yeah. of what you're not supposed to do. Yeah, learn learn from this. Yeah, learn from that person. Like, and but all too often when people run into those kind of people, they don't know how to discard them to get to the one. Yeah. I think that's it. I think I understand what the karmic lesson was, and I got the lesson. I'm not really sure how to discard though. I've done. I've tried my own little ceremonies and rituals and things like that, but I don't know. Maybe just time. We can break that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can break that. Good. We can make that break. And you have to because if you don't let go of somebody who's challenged you like that they and they're stuck kind of in your spirit, mm -hmm. like in your heart, and you kind of go back to that, you know, when you're yeah. not supposed to, 
it, it, it ruins, it, it stops you from getting to the one. Yeah. It really does. You're just at a standstill instead of moving forward. Yeah, you're kind of moving, but you're not really getting to where you're supposed to be, yeah. right? Because they can pull you back. Hmm. Well, this is amazing. <laughs> you got to work on that. Yeah. So We're going to whip her into shape. <laughs> yes, and crack the whip please. on Shanti's butt, man. Good. No, I think I need it because I yeah. think, yeah, stuck in, stuck in my spirit, I think might be one of the greatest ways um, to put it as much as I've tried to just... Because I can't say that about anything or anyone else in my whole life. And I kind of am done. I would like to be done and released. I just don't know how. So We'll get good. you done. Thank you. We'll get you over the hoop. So you mentioned a couple TV series that yeah. you're working on. Do you want to tell us more about yeah, that? Yeah. Um, I, I actually had done a reality series a couple of years ago called Deals from the Dark Side where I was psychic investigator to... I wasn't like the star of the show. I was a psychic investigator to a guy who collected weird and macabre items like hangman's nooses from the Tower of London, a real Titanic deck chair. And so I was the guy that read them Mm -hmm. and authenticated them and told him about the stories behind and what had happened with these devices in the chair and handcuffs that were supposed to belong to Houdini and stuff like that. And sometimes I said, hey, somebody sold you this antique and it's not what it is, right? Yeah. So, you know, that show um, went on for about a season and a half and... Then the the star of the show decided he wanted to cut bait with being on television, so they took it off the air. And then I became involved with some of the people who had been on that show who thought it would be a good idea to spin me off into a show on my own. So we came up with something called Mickey's Psychic Road Trip. It's cool. I, I think I remember you telling me about that, and it sounded so awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And so now, actually, as we're speaking... One of the the producers that I'm working with, she's in L.A. with it this week, talking to everybody in L.A. And we also have a Toronto production company that wants to be involved in it, too, as well. And funny, when we had meetings, like, back in um, late February, early March, as we were talking about my show... Um, the One of the production people in the Toronto company here said to me, how would you feel about doing a show with a bunch of ghost hunters? Hmm. I said, like, guys with the night vision stuff (laughs) and all that. And they said, yeah. How would you feel about doing a show with these guys and coming on board as a technical consultant as part of this project behind the scenes? And I said, okay, sounds kind of cool. And then we jumped onto that boat. And they said, bring us four really good ghost hunters and let's get together and see if we can make this rock because we want to do a ghost hunters thing, but we don't want to do it like any of the ones that are out there now. Yeah. And I said, okay. So I got this crew of guys that I knew together and rounded them up and <laughs> you know, got them all prepped up for real TV because they've been doing stuff for years and putting it on YouTube and all kinds of stuff. And one of them actually is a fabulous cameraman who's done a fabulous job. And they were all for it. So now we're working on that too. And then part of what happened is I I have a friend who's in the tour bus industry in the States. And, you know, they move a lot of big name musicians and big country and Western stars, big rock musicians, you know, even professional wrestlers. And I was really struggling for Mickey's psychic road trip because one of the producers in the past had said, we can see you driving around in an old pink vintage Cadillac. And I was like, no. (laughs) I hate the color pink. And, uh, you know, I hate the color pink. And I... I, 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 That's so, like... 
yeah. cheesy. Yeah. I yeah. thought, like, what am I, Barbie? This is a, yeah. <laughs> and her pink Cadillac, you know, and I just, I couldn't relate to it. And I said, well, I can't really relate to that. And I said, and plus I'm a Corvette purist, so I can't be driving around an <laughs> old drop-top Cadillac. <laughs> and I said, well, and I was talking to, you know, Cindy, who's also, you know, my number one right-hand person. And I said, you know, what do you think? And she said, well, maybe a cool black SUV or something. And then I was talking to my friend who's in the tour bus business and he said, well, hell, why, you're a rock and roll medium. Why aren't you on a tour bus? Oh, my and God, like, yes. My God. <laughs> Perfect idea. So he said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you some pictures of some of our best buses, you know, really They're hot, gorgeous. looking gorgeous buses. Yeah. And he said, take them back to the TV company and see what they do. And I took him in and I said, how about this? And they were like, yeah that's it <laughs> sign us up and then as we're talking about it the production people here in toronto the guy says to me you know your friend that's in this industry who sent you the buses i said yeah and he said um can you actually ask them if they would think about doing a show with us can you go down and pitch this to them with one of our producers like a show about the tour bus yeah like the guys that moved the celebs <laughs> and i said wait a minute hold the bus for a second can we move back to my thing because <laughs> it's now slipping too many away. projects too many too projects, projects. yeah but, rock and roll tour bus it, you know but it's now like slipping off into but this tour bus is supposed to be my tour bus <laughs> now you're talking about a tour bus show right so but i thought well it's just like all these you know, all these opportunities yeah. on the table. But I was kind of trying to pull the tour bus back into yeah. the driveway. This is my bus. This is my bus. <laughs> for my road trip show. So A lot of the women we've been talking mm. to, especially this year, we're all feeling it in the air. Like, mm. this is the time that it's like, there's going to be a tour bus show. And there's going to be this. Like it's like, year. it feels Everything like it's feels... time that everybody... Yeah, knows. but I... Re- and then I got on the phone to my friend and I said, like, hey, you know, they want you guys and... <laughs> It's like we're supposed to be talking about me and they're talking about you guys. So what's that about? He said, you know what? Just do it all. Do all of it. Yeah. If you, you know, can. I'll help you with anything. Right. He's just like, that's a good friend. All. Yeah. Sounds He's like a lot of fun. Guy. It sounds like something people are really going to dig. Yeah. So uh, coming up um, in the next couple of days, it's Wednesday when people are listening to this episode. And on Friday, you're going to be a big part of the Toronto Psychic Fair. Yes, uh, I've been doing the psychic fair since, I feel like, since I was born in Toronto. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think I've been doing it that long. I've lost count of the years. So I'm going to be there on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So that's the 7th, 8th, and 9th of April. Um, we open late on Friday. We run from about 4 till 9, and Saturday from 10 to 10, and Sunday from 10 to 7. And I currently have a posting on my Facebook page if people don't want to stand in the lineup because I get booked up really fast and mm-hmm. you can end up waiting three hours. Obviously, now that everybody's listened to this episode, they know why. <laughs> you guys are too kind, really. Um, I So I have people can call us now, like a week ahead, and pre-book Book. and prepay their time slot. So, you know, they can show up and not have to wait three hours to have a reading. And, you know, I do special prices there that are a little bit reduced from the cost of my regular 
prices and uh, it's kind of a fun weekend they have lectures that are free going on all day and all night and they also have you know demonstrations and they have uh you know great vendors with cool stuff so lots to occupy your time with sounds like a lot of fun well you're waiting for me i'm getting (laughs) bored (laughs) we'll put all of those links up in the show notes and on all of our pages and everything like that and like i said i had a reading with you and it really set me on a good course for the rest of my year my life I can't even I can't recommend going to see Mickey more like this is your opportunity and you do you do um readings over the phone yeah as well for people that are long distance and can't make it in or you know I have a lot of um clientele like especially with handicapped people where it's hard to them to get places that aren't necessarily accessible Mm -hmm. so I have phone readings available for anybody and sometimes you know my clients work late and stuff and they're business people and they're busy and rather than go home eat and run back out for an appointment at 8 30 at night they sort of are happier to pick up the phone and talk to me and the rates are the same like there's no extra charges for that kind of thing i also do you know workshops public speaking events you know party for any rock band that wants to come my way (laughs) (laughs) you know and uh, private parties, big corporate events, stuff like that, you know. And all of that's up on your website. All of that is up on my website, which really needs some updating. I must say, I'm embarrassed to say, I have to get on board this year and give that a little bit more of a facelift, but it's still all good and readable. Yeah, yeah. You know? The information is good, so. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, yeah, so people can find you on your website, on Facebook, Ask Mickey, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. We'll link everything up. And you have to teach me how not to be such a juvenile delinquent and not post pictures on Instagram. <laughs> I am so bad with that. And I, I, I love it, but I am really bad with it. So Happy to. Yes, you guys will have to whip me into shape as I whip your past lives out of your memories. That's a done deal. Yes. It's like Great the exchange. least I can do. Psychic don't do social media really good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Having the rock and roll psychic, rock and roll medium on our podcast is a real dream. Like, thank you for helping me live the life yeah. of my dreams. This has Aww. been so much fun. But it's true, you're a healer, and you just have, like, a heart like nobody that I've ever met before. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, and I love you guys. You know that. I love you both, and I would do anything for you anytime you need it. And if you want to do this again anytime, I'm more than happy to come back and talk about a specific subject or just crazy random stuff again. Amazing. I can't wait for people to hear this. I think they're going to love it. I think so, too. I hope so. Keeping my fingers crossed. (laughs) Thank you. And You're thank welcome. you, everybody, for listening. You can find Lynx and I online, uh, Twitter, Shanti and Lynx. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Muses and Stuff Podcast. Same thing with Facebook. We love you. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read Podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. 
Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together. <laughs>